Welcome to the Confederate Union Podcast, the podcast where a Southerner and a Midwesterner come together to explore what makes them unique. Hey guys, I'm Leanne, a proud Midwesterner from the heartland, specifically Illinois. I love campfires, fall, and friendly neighbors. And hey y'all, I'm Tim, a Southern gentleman with a passion for sweet tea, hospitality, and the slow pace of life. Join Tim and Leanne as they dive into topics like food, traditions, accents, and everything in between. Each episode, they'll share their personal experiences and maybe a guest or two. We'll celebrate our differences, challenge stereotypes, and find common ground in the most unexpected places. So whether you're a Southerner, Midwesterner, or just curious about the unique cultures of these regions, this podcast is for you. Get ready for a fun, lighthearted exploration of differences that will leave you with a smile on your face and a deeper understanding of our diverse world. So grab your headphones, tune in, and let's embark on this exciting journey together. together. Now streaming on your favorite podcast platform. Hello. Is this on? Excellent. Welcome to Take 5 with Tim. I'm your host, Tim Cantrell. On my podcast, it's unscripted. Well, except for this intro. Each week, we're going to dive into current events and anything else that comes up. What do you think? Want to talk? Hit me up. Reach out. Until then, be safe. Have fun. And enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Take 5 with Tim. I'm your host, Tim Cantrell. It is so good to have you back this week. I've been really, really excited about this episode. Why? Because it's about music and books, two of my favorite things in the entire world. Music, of course, probably being a little bit more favorite than books, but that's okay because you'll find out why. So let's jump right into it. Up first is a song that means a lot to me. It was a song that I opened with my senior year as a first year trumpet player. This was our opener at halftime called Shine Down.
Music has been such a huge part of my life. I have been involved in various aspects of music probably since really before I could talk good. Um, from around age four, I was already helping out with song leading at church. Probably wasn't that great at the very beginning, but it got me used to being in front of people. It got me used to learning notes and melodies and harmonies and just, you know, how that all played together. Uh, growing up in the Church of Christ background, we didn't have instruments in our worship service, so everything was a cappella. And so it should come as no surprise that my favorite Christian music is a cappella. I do love contemporary Christian music and Southern gospel music, but I will always hold a very special part of my heart for a cappella music. And the main reason behind that is simply for the fact of it's all pure. There's no instruments that affect the vocals or disturb any of the natural sounding harmonies that just are created um, in acapella music. So I really, really love that. Some of the artists that I love, and you'll hear some of them today, uh, acapella, Vocal Union, Durant, Zoe Group, Lifeline. And I had to throw Lifeline in there because that was such a big part of my life. And we'll probably touch more on that a little bit later. I can't really narrow down whether or not I have a top 10 list because being involved in music outside of church between high school marching band and just being a music major in college, I'm very eclectic with my music taste. I like everything from Christian music to classical music to jazz to folk music to bluegrass to some country rock pop some hip-hop you name it i probably have it in my playlist so i've just kind of hand-picked a few and again by no means are these going to indicate a top 10 list or anything like that i do have a favorite uh at least out of this list i have a favorite that i will play to you or play for you um, later, but I'm just going to kind of jump right in and I'll try to come back in between each song or at least some of the songs and kind of give you a little bit of information on why I chose that song or how that song is directly related to me, I guess you could say. Um, how I'm inspired by the song, I guess would be a good way of saying that. So music has always motivated me ever since I grew up in church. Like I said, be, being able to, to sing and come along to fourth grade, we didn't really have a music class, but our teacher also went to church with me. And so she kind of did some little musical instrument type things uh, that they do in class, like the slide whistle and just cheesy stuff now. But again, it was something I was already interested in. So I loved that period of the day where we got to, you know, play around with those instruments and things like that. 
Fast forward to sixth grade when I was actually able to start a beginner band, I ended up playing the trumpet and it's just kind of snowballed from there. You know, knowing that was the direction I wanted to take a large part of my life uh, in the music realm, I really just honed in my skills and my practice time and everything to music. We didn't really have a chorus, but one year, once I got into high school, a lot of the students that were involved in that chorus didn't really take it serious and just kind of goofed off and used it as more of a way to get a free credit or whatever for their classes, like an elective. So they ended up canceling that, but I was still able to do, you know, marching band and concert band. And so I certainly focused on those things along with my sports and my studies, of course, but it's just kind of been a whirlwind ever since just being able to, you know, learn different aspects and meet different people. I've met some famous people. I've recorded with some famous people. Uh, it's just been such a amazing experience that God has allowed me to be a part of and that my parents have encouraged and inspired and helped me be a part of all these years. And I owe so much to so many people. It's hard to really acknowledge everybody, you know, and for the sake of privacy, I, I won't call their names, but just know that if you were in my life, whether through church or school or just on a personal music, on a personal music level, in some aspect from the time I was four until this moment I'm recording this pod podcast, you have been a major influence in my life. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into it. Grandma and Grandpa used to play And I'll blow 
that comes from the heart Play something with lots of feeling Cause that's where music has to start Oh, play me some mountain music Like Grandma and Grandpa used to play That was Alabama with Mountain Music. Has anybody heard that song before? I grew up on that song. It was one of the songs I got to listen to with my dad driving down the road. It's so catchy. It's got the fiddle. It's got some banjo. It's got all kinds of fun things. And of course, I mean, I'm from Alabama, so why wouldn't I like the group Alabama? It's one of the few country songs uh, that I do enjoy on a consistent basis. Um, Again, no disrespect to country it's just not my jam all the time but i do love the group alabama so carrying on once again let's turn the tables a little bit and we're going to go into another genre be right back Sing God's praise. 
That song should come as no surprise to anyone. Amazing Grace, it's been around forever. That group was actually a cappella. That was in the early days of a cappella, back when there was only two members, Keith Lancaster and Rodney Britt. Rodney Britt was singing bass and lead on that song. Uh, Keith did the high stuff. Just two people. Um, obviously, you could tell there was probably more than just two harmony parts, and it was a unique recording that they did. They went in and recorded all the parts. Uh, Rodney doing the... Uh, baritone and some of the lower tenors and certainly the bass and Keith handling all the high stuff. And they operated like that for quite some time before they uh, were able to uh, get more members uh, into the group and ended up being a quartet for many, many years. Uh, Finally, a quintet now. Um, That was probably the first song that I had ever been introduced to um, by the group acapella. I've certainly sang a cappella, you know, church hymns and um, congregational style songs all my life. But from a quartet standpoint, they was, that was probably the first group that I was ever introduced to at a lock-in that our youth group had one evening at uh, our youth minister's house at the time. And he had known of the Lancasters and a cappella. They started in 1982. Um, I was probably introduced to them in the mid 80s. I was probably around eight, nine years old at that time, maybe 10, but uh, somewhere around that time frame. And I was hooked. I mean, as soon as I heard that and Rodney hitting those low notes and and Keith just wailing, um, man, I, I was hooked. And there's certainly other songs on that same album. That album is the Conquerors album uh, from early, the early days. And uh, that was, I think, their second album. The original album was Traveling Shoes. Um, but John the Revelator's on that album, uh, More Than Conquerors, which is, of course, you know, what the title of the album is. And, like, there's so many great songs on there. Army of the Lord, uh, love that album. And love acapella, love everything Keith has done with his music ministry and that group. And it, I've been fortunate enough to be able to sing with a lot of th- those people and meet them in person. Uh, I've got to watch the Super Bowl at Keith's house before. Um, and I'm not trying to name drop, but uh, just, you know, knowing how much they influenced me throughout my early music days, only to become friends with them and uh, their daughter, uh, or his daughter, one of his daughters, Melissa, uh, is actually the engineer for uh, Durant Studios. She owns it, and she records all of the acapella music and was fortunate enough to record both of Lifeline's albums that uh, me and my buddies produced. So um, that was, you know, acapella. And uh, there'll probably be one or two more songs, uh, you know, from acapella that I will play for you today. But moving right along, we will go on to another genre and I will be right back. Time, why you punish me? 
Like a wave crashing into the shore You wash away my dreams Time, why you walk away Like a friend with somewhere to go You left me Can you teach me about tomorrow and all the pain and sorrow running free? Cause tomorrow's just another day and I don't believe in time.
Anybody want to take a guess as to name of that song? You guessed it. Time. Hootie and the Blowfish. October 24th of 1995. Man, I think that song was on repeat in my car. I loved Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius Rucker has such a phenomenal, unique voice. He's country now. That's different. But, you know, Hootie just... It's almost indescribable. I mean, like I love their band. I love the music. I love the lyrics. Um, lyrics back in the '90s and '80s hit different than they hit nowadays, and probably even you know times before that, '60s, '70s, '50s. All those that era of music is totally different now. Uh, a lot of the lyrics you hear nowadays. There's like 10 lyrics and then they just repeat them a hundred times. But there's so much thought provoking music that goes into lyrics back um, from the you know baby boomer generation and the Gen X generation. So different. Love it so much. Hootie and the Blowfish time. So let's slow down the pace a little bit. We're going to jump back into some Southern gospel. And I'll be right back with you.
When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Oh, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Oh, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. song always makes me tear up. I love the Gaither Vocal Band. They have such amazing harmony, and that was back when David Phelps was in the group and Michael English, and oh man, uh, the song uh, is a combination of actually a classic, uh, classical song by Pachelbel, Canon and D, and uh, along with a song that I grew up singing at Maywood Christian Camp, which I've mentioned in a previous episode, uh, called You Are My All in All. And the way they blend the strings and then the four-part harmony, quartet-style harmony together is just so amazing. And so because I've had the connection with Maywood and singing that song a cappella, and because I was in band and have played Canon and D in my mind, it just takes me back to those times and it just meshes and blends so well together. When I came across that song, it was on one of those, um, I don't know if it was an infomercial or if it was just on 
one of those um, recordings um, that the Gaithers do, like the Homecoming series that just happened to be playing on GBN or something like that, Gospel Broadcasting Network. Um, but like I was hooked. That was back when DVR was like first coming out and you know, we happened to have that and like I recorded it and I just played it over and over and over again. I just thought it was just one of the best things. And then now, of course, we still have DVR, but you can pretty much stream and YouTube practically anything. So I uh, ended up finding the same video on YouTube. It's in my favorites. So I just wanted to share that with you. So let's uh, keep going. Be right back. They say for every boy and girl, they're just one love in this whole world. And I know I found mine. The heavenly touch of your embrace tells me no one could take your place ever in my heart. Young Kiss from your sweet lips will tell me that your love is real And I can feel that it's true We will vow to one another There will never be another love for you Or for me The Southern Gentleman, Sonny James. For those who don't know, Sonny James was born and raised in Hackleburg, Alabama, which is my high school alma mater. And fun fact, uh, I forget what grade I was in. I'm wanting to say maybe 10th grade. Could have been ninth, but I'm, I think it was 10th grade. We got wind that he was going to be in town for one of our homecoming games. Well, not one of our homecoming games, the homecoming game that season, because uh, he lived in Nashville with his wife, Doris. And, um, but he was going to be in town visiting his sister, who still lived in Hackleburg. And we actually played uh, 
the song that you just heard, Young Love, as the homecoming song, um, our version of it, I should say, because that's only like a two minute, 30 second song and homecoming last 20 minutes. So we pretty much had to repeat and repeat and repeat. But it was really nice to be able to honor him that way and play his song um, while he was in town. Um, unbeknownst to me, years later, I ended up uh, working with the Hackleberg Church of Christ as their youth minister. And anytime he would come down to visit his sister, that's where she worshipped and that's where he would visit. And so I got to um, sit in close proximity to him and sing with one of country music's greatest legends, the Southern gentleman, Sonny James. Anytime you're visiting Hackleburg, you'll see signs. Welcome to Hackleburg, home of Sonny James. And I hope you enjoy his music as much as I do. So we're going to move right along. I've got a few more songs that I want to do, and then we're going to jump into the books. I haven't forgot about the books. I've got a stack right here that I'm going to go through. I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to do that, but we'll get into that later. So we're moving right along. Once upon a tree Took up his cross to save your 
once upon a tree. back i hope you enjoyed that song that song was called once upon a tree it's by a group called vocal union uh, fun fact they are part of the acapella company and um, the same acapella company i mentioned earlier that had the, a group acapella keith lancaster started all of this and they had so many talented musicians they formed another group called vocal union and they still uh perform now there's about eight of those i believe uh, a good friend of mine uh, named Joey is uh, part of that group, and they're still uh, fabulous. The lead singer of the song you just heard, his name was Gary Miller, and he passed away um, back in 2011. I believe it was March of 2011, unexpectedly, uh, while they were actually uh, on a road tour. And um, it just broke everybody's heart. He has a phenomenal lead, soft voice but he's one of the lowest bass singers I have ever personally met, and he's phenomenal. Um, and I, I miss him so much. I miss his lyrics. He writes such beautiful poetry in his music, and wow, it's just, I haven't heard that song in a while, so I'm kind of getting teared up a little bit. Um, I, he, he's certainly missed in the uh, acapella community. Um but even more beautiful than his lyrics and his voice was his heart. He was such a phenomenal human being and always had a smile on his face. So rest in peace, Gary. We love you. We miss you. And we hope that uh, you're seeing those beautiful lights and uh, looking at God's face and getting to write beautiful music up there in heaven. So moving right along. We'll do uh, a couple more, maybe three more songs uh, for you, and then we'll jump into the books. So I'll be right back. Just kiss me once, and kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. Haven't felt like this, my dear, since can't remember when It's been a long, long time You'll never know how many dreams I dreamed about you I just I empty, they all seems without you So kiss me once, and kiss me twice, then kiss me once again 
It's been a long, long time Kiss me twice, kiss me once again. It's a been a long, a, a long time. Ever like this, my dear, since can't remember when. It's been a long, long time. You never know how many dreams I dream about you. I just how empty they all seem without you. So kiss me once. And kiss me twice, and kiss me once again. It's been a long, ba 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 time. Welcome back. Oh, good old Satchmo, Louis Armstrong. I love that song. And they didn't have marching band at the. Uh, first college I went to. So when I got my scholarship, I half of it covered my vocal ability and the other half covered my trumpet playing. Um, and since they didn't have a marching band, all they had was jazz band. And so um, we didn't play that song specifically, um, but I love jazz. I've always loved jazz. Uh, another fun fact, when I first wanted to join the band in sixth grade at around age 11 to 12. I was dead set on playing saxophone, alto saxophone. Because in my mind, when I see a jazz player, most of the time they're playing saxophone. That just resonates jazz to me. Um, obviously, that's not just the case because you've got players like Louis Armstrong and Wynton Marsalis and uh, Miles Davis and um, Dizzy Gillespie, I, I, countless others uh, that play trumpet, but I was wanting to play saxophone. Well, we get in there to start looking at instruments. Me and my best friend Jason at the time, we were both kind of looking at that as an option. And they started talking to us about how, you know, you have to, you know, pretty much put it together. It comes in several pieces. You got to put it together each time. Uh, you got to, you know, a lot of cleaning and stuff that, that goes uh, on each time that you have to put the instrument away and you deal with reeds and clips and uh, corks and pads and everything else. And we're looking at each other like, man, that sounds like a lot of work for our age. Uh, and they're like, have you ever thought about trumpet? We're like, well, I mean, we thought about it, but we kind of wanted to do this. So... They said, well, let us show you trumpet. We walked over there and we said, so what all you have to take apart on this? And they pretty much just picked up the mouthpiece, put it in the horn and said, it's ready. We're like, we're going to play trumpet. Obviously, probably the right call. We both ended up scholarshiped on our horns. So um, 
but yeah, that was a pretty cool story. Uh, I feel like uh, how it relates to jazz because that's the reason I wanted to join band. I wanted to learn to play jazz. So, uh, but then as I got more into high school and marching, I developed such a love for marching, and I wish I had hours and hours. I would sit here and play all kinds of drum and bugle corps music uh, for you guys, but uh, you didn't come to hear that. You come to hear just pretty much a playlist, the eclectic playlist uh, that kind of constantly goes uh, on around me. Now, again, these are just a hand selected bit of music that I listen to. But for the most part, you may have other artists, you may have, you know, different genres, but you're going to find all this kind of music in my playlist at any given time. So two more jump to books. Promise. Be right back. When this world starts a-reeling From that pressure-dropped feeling We're just treading water each day There's a way to feel better Be well set to weather The storms till the sun shines again When your compass is spinning And you're lost on the way Like a leaf in the wind, friend Hear me when I say Bubbles up, they will point you towards home No matter how deep or how far you roam They will show you the surface The plot and the purpose So when the journey gets long Just know that you are loved There is light up above And the joy is always enough Bubbles up My friends who are jelly When melancholy knocks Sometimes they let her in To sit and share stories Of flops and of glories It ain't half as bad as the bends Sometimes living is a struggle Multiplied double But they love it too much For the party to end Bubbles up They will point you towards home No matter how deep Or how far you roam They will show you the surface The plot and the purpose So when the journey long Just know that you are loved There's light up above And joy There's always enough Bubbles up Let's pop a cork To the rough and the right To the bright blazing days 
sweet starry nights Welcome back, and you may not have ever heard that song before. For those who don't know, uh, September 1st took the life of Jimmy Buffett, and I'm sure everyone who listens to this has heard of Jimmy Buffett and probably loves Jimmy Buffett. I don't know if Jimmy Buffett actually had any enemies or any dislikes in music or business or anything. He just seemed to be such a well-loved human being and across all generations his songs were like portals to another world they said that his melodies bridge generations that they were relatable lyrics and they unified and they resonated with fans of all ages and that it wasn't just about um, the beach life and the uh, life on boats and everything like that. That's obviously what he sang about, but as listeners, it allowed us to be transported into that world that he got to live every day and that we all dream about of vacation and an easy, peaceful, chill kind of walk of life. And I think that's why it gravitated so well with every generation is because that's something that we can all agree on is we all want that feeling, right? We all want to be able to just live that chill, peaceful life. and. His songs took us there, even when we couldn't be there. So, God rest your soul, Jimmy. We sure do miss your music. But this was called Bubbles Up. It was the first song that they released posthumous uh, after his passing. And it instantly, you know, become one of my favorite songs of his. So, of course, you 
can find millions of songs probably that he has been a part of or wrote or performed from Margaritaville to Come Monday to Cheeseburger in Paradise, but Bubbles Up. There's just something about that, especially the lyrics where you can always find your way home. And we love you, Jimmy. So final song, and then we're going to jump into the books. This song, I put it on here. It's relatively new to me. About a year now. Um, As you know, I mentioned my mom passed away a year ago yesterday. And this song was played at her funeral. It's by one of my all-time favorite Christian, contemporary Christian groups called Casting Crowns. The song is Scars in Heaven. If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you Cause there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven that won't be to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven On the hands that hold you now I know the road you walked Was anything but easy You picked up your share of scars Along the way But now you're standing in the sun You fought your fight And your race is run The pain is all a million miles away The only scars in heaven That won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down The only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now
There's not a day goes by that I don't see you. You live on in all the better parts of me. Until I'm standing with you in the sun, I'll fight this fight and this race I'll run. Until I finally see what you can see. Scars in heaven that won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken, and all the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, and even as the tears fall down. The only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. Well, there you go. That was Casting Crowns, Scars in Heaven. And I couldn't not play that because my mom had such a tremendous impact on me and my life. And just even my music. I mean, she probably is the one that really taught me to sing. I've had a lot of musical influences throughout my childhood and my teenage years and even my adult years that have impacted my music, but I had to learn it at home. You know, whether it's Jesus Loves Me or Tiptoe, Tiptoe in God's House or any of the Vacation Bible School songs that she taught me growing up. She was my rock. She was the one who sent me on this musical journey. And it seemed only fitting that with her passing, knowing she's not in pain anymore, knowing her influence on my own life and on every life that she touched, Knowing all that, she's not in pain and she's in heaven and she's looking down and I just hope that she's smiling at the lives that she touched, that she didn't even know she touched at the time. I love you, Mom. You're with me every day. And now for my favorite song probably of all times and it's not because it's the greatest singers it's not because it's has the greatest melody or anything like that but I just love the lyrics I love the harmonies it's just one of those songs that it has stayed with me and served as a reminder throughout everything I've dealt with throughout all my life that none of it would be possible if it weren't for God the song is called If There Were No God. If there were no God, there would be no music. There would be no dream to be 
dreadful thought of an empty future. If there were no God, there would be none. If there were no God, there would be no children. There would be no joy to relieve our tears. Not a tender hand to provide us comfort. No consoling heart to subdue our But we know, yes, we know that God is with us. So now we are going to transition into bookshelf confessions. The best way I know to do this is just kind of go through here and, you know, I'll give you the name of the books that are on my bookshelf right now. Um, I will, uh, you know, 
try to read a little bit about them, like the back cover, inside cover, something like that, just to give you an idea of what it's about. Um, the ones that stick out most to me, I will make some comments on, and then there are two or three that I will really um, put focus on, you know, toward the end. So, you know, I hope you enjoy these books. Uh, I know I have. And if you do get a chance to read any of them or, you know, pick them up or, if, you know, someone that just has them and you want to borrow them, that's fine too. Just um, they touched my life in a lot of ways and I hope they do yours too. So without further ado, I think it only fitting uh, those who have been listening to my podcast know that I'm a graphic designer by trade and I've been doing that for quite some time. But I've mentioned that when I first got introduced to Photoshop, it intimidated me. It kind of freaked me out a little bit because all these windows and toolbars and um, just different tools, you know, were popping up and I didn't really know what to do with them. You know, I was very intimidated. So not only did I close the program, I completely uninstalled it off my computer because it intimidated me that much. As the months went on and realized that, hey, I actually need to, you know, use this program for some things, so I'm going to have to actually learn it. So I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I went and bought a Photoshop 6.0 for Dummies book. Um, there's been many versions since then, as I've mentioned before, but that's where I got my start is Photoshop 6. Um, I'm looking at the book right now. Um, gosh, I don't even know, you know, 450 pages, I guess. Um, but it certainly helped me. Um, and there's still things in here that I have not used. Um, but it definitely taught me all the basics that I needed to know enough to help me be unintimidated and then once I got past that stage I was able to look up tutorials and realize that hey this is not as bad as I thought so Photoshop 6.0 for dummies book I'm not going to read anything about that one it's pretty self-explanatory uh, so the next book I have and, and again these books aren't in any specific order um, I, I don't have like you know, a list of like my top 10 per se. These are just uh, uh, what's on my bookshelf um, as as my favorites. Uh, they're all kind of collectively uh, favorites. So this next book's kind of unique. Um, I mentioned Melissa Lancaster earlier, uh, Keith's uh, oldest daughter, uh, the acapella uh, guru, if you will. She's the one that records and does all the engineering work uh, for Durant Studios that she owns. She wrote this book. Um, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but uh, she was sick and she needed to uh, change some things about her health. And she wrote this book as kind of, I guess, a uh, written journey, if you will, of things to do to, you know, help, you know, heal your body. Um, just the back pretty much says, why do we get sick? Why is it that every other person you meet these days has cancer when not so long ago it was rare to personally know of someone affected by the disease? Why don't Christians get better when we pray so hard to God to provide healing? Is it a lack of faith? Is it modern medicine letting us down? Is it fate? 
These are some tough questions that undoubtedly have crossed your mind, but there's good news. The answers to all of our health care problems aren't tough at all. Did you know that God never intended for anyone to die of cancer or any other disease? Did you know that the fault of our sickness lies not with God or modern medicine or fate? In this book, you will come to realize that it is possible to be completely healed from any health problem you may be suffering simply by living and eating the way God designed you to. Faith is important, but as James said, without works, it is dead. Learn what you can do to follow the design set forth by God for how to treat your body and see the difference it will make in your life. You can find this book on Amazon. Um, I ordered it, I got it in, and I read it in an hour and a half. It's not a it's not a long read. It's literally only about uh, 120 pages, um, so it's it's quick read. But it's so informational. It's it's chock full of uh, tips and tricks and information that I had no clue uh, of what you know the FDA allows to go on. Um, definitely pick that up. It's called Why Are We Sick by Melissa Lancaster. This next book is by the author John Eldridge. It's called Wild at Heart. Every man was once a boy, and every little boy has dreams, big dreams. Dreams of being the hero, of beating the bad guys, of doing daring feats and rescuing the damsel in distress. Every little girl has dreams, too, of being rescued by her prince and swept up into a great adventure knowing that she is the beauty. But what happens to those dreams when we grow up? Walk into most churches, have a look around, and ask yourself, what is a Christian man? Without listening to what is said... Look at what you find there. Most Christian men are bored. And wild at heart, John Eldridge invites men to recover their masculine heart defined in the image of a passionate God. And he invites women to discover the secret of a man's soul and to delight in the strength and wildness men were created to offer. This book really impacted me. It talks a lot about, you know, just getting back into nature and really diving deep into the masculine soul um, about how to be a masculine father and um, help, you know, inspire and encourage kids the right way. Um, Especially if you have young boys like I do, Um, you're pretty much training them to be men, right? We're not training them to just be grown up boys. We're training them to be men. And this book certainly has helped me with that. Um, so much, in fact, that I, I have the uh, audio book and I also have it on my Kindle. So uh, in, in addition to this physical copy hardback that I'm looking at right now. So John Eldridge, Wild at Heart. This next book was actually a series that we did at the church I attended many years ago. Uh, the book is titled Not a Fan, also the same title as the series. Uh, by Kyle Eidelman. Um, It's about becoming a completely committed follower of Jesus. And the back says, are you a fan or a follower? The dictionary defines a fan as an enthusiastic admirer. Fans want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires sacrifice. Fans may be fine with repeating a prayer, attending church on the weekend, and slapping a Jesus fish on their bumpers. But is that really the extent of the relationship Jesus wants? Jesus was never interested in having admirers. It's not fans he's looking for. Not a fan challenges you to consider what it really means to call yourself a Christian. With a direct frankness that you're not likely to hear in Sunday school class, Kyle invites you to take an honest look at your relationship with Jesus 
His call to follow may seem radical to us, but Jesus desires it for every believer. It's a really great book. Um, They have a video series that goes along with it, uh, like I mentioned, and then they have a full-length movie that's part of that series that you can watch. It's kind of uh, kind of ties into those uh, shorter video series uh, clips. Um, But the book is great. They've actually got it. I think uh, versions of it for teens and you know, all kinds of different uh, youth studies and stuff, a um, couple studies now. Um, but it's pretty much geared to help you become a true follower of Jesus, not just a fan. You can be a fan of anybody. I was a fan of Michael Jordan. I was a fan of Bo Jackson. But I didn't want to emulate my life like they did. You know, sure, I wanted the success and the money and the stardom, if you will. But... Mm-hmm. You know, they're human beings. They probably partook of things that Jesus wouldn't have approved of, maybe. I'm not saying that they did, but that's not the follower that I want to be associated with. I want to be a follower of Jesus, and that book leads you on that journey. This next little book, uh, it's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. Richard Carlson. Simple ways to keep the little things from taking over your life. Does your life seem to have as many ups and downs as a soap opera? Then let this little book that spent 100 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list show you how to stop blowing things out of proportion. Stop worrying about things that might happen, but probably won't. Stop obsessing about things you can't change and things that just don't matter. And start living. In simple, bite-sized chapters, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff, presents 100 gentle stress-reducing suggestions, such as learn to live in the moment, do one thing at a time, soften your most stubborn positions, cut yourself some slack, think of what you have instead of what you want, ask yourself, will this matter a year from now? Just in those six things right there, could reduce so much stress and anxiety in my own life, and I'm sure yours too. So this one is, again, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Richard Carlson. This next author and book um, I've got on my Kindle and also audiobook. Um, It's called The Shift, Taking Your Life from Ambition to Meaning, Dr. Wayne W. Dyer. Also a number one New York uh, Times bestselling author. Um, The back says, uh, from the shift, the direction we take in life is far more significant than the place ego parks us in, in the present moment. For example, inquiring about what direction we're headed is more valuable than focusing on how much we weigh or when we had our last cigarette. Making a commitment to change a self-sabotaging way of life is making a commitment to change direction And then we head toward weight loss or addiction control. Heading towards something more purposeful and meaningful is even more significant. If we persistently listen to the demands of the ego, we move away from our source of being. The ego insists of pursuing more, more stuff, more accomplishments, more status, more triumphs, more money. More is the mantra of the ego, fueling endless striving with a false promise of eventually arriving. However, every assured arrival point is seductively transformed into a desire to strive for even more, unless we choose to make a shift in the direction our life is taking. 
The shift begins in the process of halting the momentum and self-importance of the ego, but then we must proceed with the work derailing and rerouting it in the opposite direction. This doesn't mean that we lose our drive. Rather, it significant. Rather, it signifies that our drive is realigned with a life based on experiencing meaning and feeling purposeful. Dr. Wayne Dyer. So I really love that book. Um, I've read it through about three times, uh, cover to cover. It's not a long read either. Um, honestly, it's it's probably about 115, 120 pages itself. Um, but I, I like his voice. I actually like listening to this one on the audio book. Um, when I'm going on a trip or something, because like I said, it, it probably plays in a couple hours. Um, and it's very thought provoking. It helps you get out of your comfort zone a little bit in a good way. So the next one, um, is more financial, uh, but it's called rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. What the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not. So some of the things this book will do, doesn't really have a much information on the back, uh, tells a little bit about the author, um, but it says, Rich Dad, Poor Dad will explode the myth that you need to earn a high income to become rich, challenge the belief that your house is an asset, show parents why they can't rely on the school system to teach their kids about money, define once and for all an asset and a liability, Teach you what to teach your kids about money for their future financial success. So this this is very eye-opening as well. I, I read that and it uh, certainly changed my outlook on a lot of things in the financial world, along with any pretty much any of the Dave Ramsey books as well. Uh, Total Money Makeover, uh, I don't have it on my desk here, but I do have the book. Um, it's outstanding. Um, teaches you... Uh, you know, the, the process of the baby steps and how to get yourself out of debt and just change your thinking and your pretty much your financial way of life. Um, if you just, you know, are willing to compromise and sacrifice for a little bit so that you can live like no one else so that later you can live and give like no one else. Um, but this book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, it's pretty easy to find. It's been around for a while. Um, kind of a two-tone purple cover. So uh, I think that's pretty standard on uh, this book all across the board, uh, not just the copy that I have. So, okay, uh, another book, uh, The Dream Giver, Bruce Wilkinson, Following Your God-Given Destiny. And I love what the back of this book says. It says, are you living your dream or just living your life? Never really thought about it. Because we wake up and we live our life trying to pursue our dreams, but are we actually ever getting to live our dream? Because dream is, our dreams are where the amazing things happen, and why can't we live those? That's what we want to do, and we're just living our life hoping to get there one day. But it says, Welcome to a little story about a very big idea. This compelling modern-day parable tells the story of Ordinary, who dares to leave the land of familiar to pursue his big dream. You too have been given a big dream, one that can change your life, one that the dream giver wants you to achieve. Does your big dream seem hopelessly out of reach? Are you waiting for something or someone to make your dream happen? Then you're ready for the dream giver. Let Bruce Wilkinson show you how to rise above the ordinary, conquer your fears, and overcome the obstacles that keep you from living your big dream. And this book is written in such a cool, unique way, using 
words like ordinary and familiar and as people, you know, we, we don't want to leave familiar what we're used to because, you know, we're afraid to take that challenge. So we're just ordinary, but we want to be extraordinary, you know, but in order to be extraordinary, we have to leave the land of familiar. So it's really unique. It's called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. So this next book, it's actually become a series. It started out as just The Noticer by Andy Andrews. Uh, then The Noticer Returns, and then just Jones. It is absolutely fabulous. What it says on the back, a moving story of common wisdom from the best-selling author of The Traveler's Gift. I'll get into that book a little later. Poverty, a failing marriage, old age, lost dreams, a failing business, an unsure future. To the residents of Orange Beach, Alabama, these desperations are dead ends. Hopeless, barren places with no chance of change. But to an old drifter named Jones with a gift of seeing what others miss, there is no such thing as a dead end. It only takes a little perspective, he says, to recognize the miracles in our moments, the seeds of greatness tucked into our struggles. As Jones mysteriously makes his way through this coastal town and into the searching hearts of its residents, he offers simple wisdom and sound hope. My contention is that you are right where you're supposed to be. This may look like barren sand to you, but nothing could be further from the truth. I say to you that as you lay your head down tonight, you are sleeping on fertile ground. Think, learn, pray, plan, dream, for soon you will become. Book one called The Noticer by Andy Andrews. And I will say at this stage, Andy Andrews is my all-time number one un questionable, without a doubt, favorite author of all times. I was given a book back in 2004 by a good friend of mine named Will and his wife, Lanice, called The Traveler's Gift. They had a Christian bookstore and they did a book of the month club. And this was one of the books that they read. And I think they had it on their uh, book of the month club and they gifted me a copy and for a long time, I loved reading as a kid, but for a long time in my adult life, I just was stayed too busy or maybe I just made excuses that I was too busy. I didn't read a whole lot, but I thanked them and I told them I promised that I would read it as quick as I got around to it. Well, little did I know what direction life was going to carry me about a year later when I went through my first divorce and I found myself in a be still and wait moment. Life was just kind of at a plateau and I was working and I actually had some time. And so I decided to bring that book with me one day and I started reading at about 8 a.m. And of course, you know, I would have to put it down to do my job, you know, at various stages or whatever. We just happened to not be busy in the office I worked in. Um, but at that time, like I said, I started at 8 a.m. and by five o'clock, I read the last words. I read the entire book in eight hours. It was one of those books that I could not put down. Uh, like one page led to another and I was dying to see what was on the next page. And when I did have to put it down to do my job, I was so frustrated because I was like, I'm missing stuff. I need to be back in my book, right? Um, the Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. Seven Decisions to Determine Personal Success. 
And, you know, that went on to uh, spawn its sequel, which I am looking at, um, called The Final Summit, which has since been revised to The Traveler's Summit. Uh, of course, Andy Andrews. Um, David Ponder, I, I feel like I am David Ponder in a lot of ways. And I've mentioned in one of the previous episodes, I guess it was the last episode when I was talking about this upcoming episode, that book probably saved my life because I was at that low point. My life had plateaued and then, you know, going through the divorce, you know, I was young and didn't really know what the future held for me or if there was a future in store for me. Um, But the beauty of this world is there's always someone that does know and that someone is God and Jesus. So they knew that I had a future and they knew that that book was gifted to me at a time in my life when I might not have read it right then, but there was going to come a time in my future that it's exactly what I needed. I had contemplated a lot of things. I was in a dark place, but that book reached out to me. Andy reached out to me. David Ponder reached out to me. And through the words and the motivation and the inspiration on those pages brought me out of that dark place and took away those feelings that I had that I didn't want to be here anymore. And I'm forever grateful and thankful for Andy, and I've never even got to meet him, and he probably doesn't even know this, and he may not ever even hear this podcast, but you, sir, helped save my life through your writing, and I am eternally grateful and thankful for that. And that specific, The Traveler's Gift book, is my favorite earthly book of all times. I've, I've got it on every possible platform that I could have it on. Uh, I follow Andy's podcast. Um, you know, in, any chance that I get to have any work of his, I jump on it at any opportunity I have. But that being said, you know, I guess I would be amiss to say that my favorite, true favorite book in the entire existence would have to be the Bible. I mean, it's hands down the most important book that anybody will ever pick up in their life. You may not understand any of it. You may not want to understand any of it, but I promise you it will change your life. If you just be patient and go in with an open mind and an open heart and let God do what God does, and that's work on you and change your thought process and change your mind about things and teach you ways that is a better way of living. Certainly God uses authors um, on earth such as Andy and uh, some of these others that I've mentioned to be able to touch people and educate and acknowledge and edify people um, in, in ways that they have this uncanny ability to do. Uh, But it all comes from God. At the end of the day, you know, God is the king of all kings. He's the ruler. He is our savior. 
and I would be nothing without him and without the teachings that he left for us many, many years ago through these great writers of old called the Bible. And it's why I am who I am. And I can only attribute it to that because no one else on earth has the power to do what God does. So there is my bookshelf. I've probably got hundreds more books, but those are the ones that I keep gravitating back to whenever I need a good solid pick-me-up. And I hope that you reach out and grab a copy of some or all of these that I've mentioned. I mean, maybe not Photoshop. You may not even be interested in anything like that. But if you are, then I would definitely probably go with something newer than Photoshop 6. But I had to mention it because I wouldn't be where I am today graphic-wise without starting there. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do hope that, you know, the time is uh, okay. Uh, it's a longer episode than what you're used to, I'm sure. But uh, there's a lot of music, so hopefully that uh, transported you back in time somewhat. Or if not, at least gave you a break from my voice every few minutes. So stay tuned to next week uh, where we conclude with our final episode of this four-part series that I did called Unmasked, um, where I just kind of go raw and let you, you know, inside of my mind and my journey and um, become a little vulnerable, you know, through this microphone um, about my life, because normally I don't do that. But next week, we're going to be talking about some of my travels and um, dive into some of the questions that uh, some of the listeners have sent in. So I hope you will stay tuned for that. And I'm going to close it out a little bit different this week. This is another song that I played in high school band. Obviously, this isn't my recording of my band, but it is the song that I played. It's called Battle Hymn. It's one of my favorite songs of all times that we played. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>